0: With every story we hear, listen to, read, or tell, we make basic human connections that help define who we are. Welcome to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast devoted to those stories that tell us who we are when we're in the dark. Listen closely now. The dark is speaking, and the need to be heard never dies.
1: It's time for Home Is Where the Haunt Is. The portion of our podcast devoted to personal experiences with ghosties and ghoulies. Have a story to share? Send it in to afterwards stories at gmail.com. We're dying to hear from you. A few years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. It was the first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. I'd been there for a few months when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. I saw something strange. A wooden board, which had covered a hole in the ceiling that led to a small attic space, lay fractured in two pieces on the ground. I examined the pieces. The board was an inch thick, and it would have taken Bruce Lee to break it. I thought the landlord had sent someone up to work in the attic. I was frozen stiff with fear. Someone is up there for sure, I thought. I emailed pictures to the landlord, asking if anyone had been there, with an undertone of annoyance since she hadn't warned me. Her reply read, Please call me as soon as you are able to. I called, and she explained that her last two tenants had said the same thing happened. She promised to replace the board, and she did. A month later, I woke up one night around 4 a.m. My body was covered in goosebumps. It felt like someone was rubbing his or her hands on me. Everything was silent, but then I heard a dragging sound coming from above my head. It was as if someone was dragging a sack of potatoes. I froze, convinced someone was up there. There is no way an animal could make that sound. After five minutes, I worked up the courage to turn on the light, armed myself with a cricket bat, and walked into the bathroom. That's when I saw that the new board covering the hole was broken in two. I felt sick. The dragging sound had stopped, but I heard something else. Whispering. The sound was clear and coming from the attic, It sounded like children's voices, and I could hear one sentence repeated over and over. It's your turn. It's your turn. I switched on every light in the apartment to make things feel normal. It was 5 a.m. and dark outside. I watched TV to try and unwind. Then a fuse blew. My pet parakeet, Dexter, whom I kept in the kitchen, usually never made a sound at night, but he started squawking like he was being strangled. I'd never heard him make those sorts of noises. He was screaming. I grabbed my car keys, ran out, sat in my car, and waited there until the sun came up. When I saw people walking their dogs, this comforted me enough to go back in. The front door was open, but I figure I might have forgotten to close it when I ran out. I went into the kitchen to check on Dexter, but he wasn't in his cage. I felt sick again. All my windows were closed, so I looked everywhere inside. When I walked to the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter was half drowned in the toilet. I took him out, washed him, and dried him. I was so confused. At 8 a.m., I called the landlord and gave her a watered-down version of the night. Oh, wow, you heard the whispering, too, she said. I stayed in that apartment for another 18 months. I heard the whispering on a few occasions, and twice the board covering the hole in the ceiling moved. Although I live elsewhere now, the landlord recently called. She said that the new tenants had begged to speak with me about some of the stuff that's been going on there. So I know. It's still going on. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Afterwards Paranormal. I'm your host, Shelby. Vampire or werewolf? That is the question. Whether it is nobler to bite a neck and drink blood, or tear someone limb from limb. In our story, The Boogeyman Will Get You by Robert Block, a young woman is infatuated with a man who could be a monster. Will she find out what kind of monster before it's too late? Vampires and werewolves are among the oldest and most famous monsters. The lore for both stretches back hundreds of years and yet remains popular to this day. Most of you out there are horror connoisseurs and know this information by heart, but I do love talking about vampires and werewolves. Let's do a quick comparison of these two lovely and deadly creatures. Werewolves and vampires are both mythical creatures who kill humans, but there are important differences between the two. Although there are too many versions of the myths for a single definitive description of the creatures, they are both known for their human-like appearance and for their tendency to attack and convert humans. In modern pop culture, vampires and werewolves are often presented as rival races that despise one another. Vampires feed on the blood of living creatures. In previous eras, vampires were often described as bloated and dark in color. Since the Victorian era, they have typically been presented as charismatic and sophisticated predators. They have fangs, which they use to drink blood, and typically have a human-like appearance. To a vampire, sunlight is deadly, and so they are strictly nocturnal. Werewolves are humanoid creatures that shapeshift into a wolf-like creature either on purpose or due to a curse. They often turn into werewolves involuntarily on the full moon. Traditional werewolf folklore says that even in human form, werewolves' eyebrows meet at the bridge of the nose, they have curved fingernails, low-set ears, and a swinging stride. Commonly, werewolves in wolf form are indistinguishable from real wolves but they can be portrayed as larger. In doing research for this episode, I came across a handy-dandy monster comparison chart. Physical characteristics. Vampires. Pale skin, fangs, normal eyes unless they are drinking blood, then their eyes turn red. Werewolves. Normal human form, but as a werewolf, they can turn into a wolf or wolf-like creatures and their eyes glow yellow or green. Personality vampires, often sophisticated and charismatic, werewolves, sometimes aggressive or animalistic in human form, time of transformation, vampires, at night, they can't come out during the day or they burst into flames, disintegrate or turn to ash, werewolves, during a full moon they turn into their were form, this change is usually against their will but some can transform any time they wish. Transforming Others In some lore, a vampire only needs to bite a victim, and that person will transform. In other lore, a human must drink the blood of a vampire to become one. Werewolves either scratch or bite people, and that turns them into werewolves. Strengths Vampires Immortality Enhanced Senses Agility and Superhuman Strength Werewolves Immortality Speed, strength, and heightened senses. Weaknesses vampires, sunlight, crosses, garlic, if they enter a house without being invited, and a wooden stake through the heart. But to quote Dracula in one of my favorite movies, Hotel Transylvania, who wouldn't that kill? Werewolves, silver bullets or other weapons, and wolf's bane. How to become one. Vampires, bitten, born, or cursed. And werewolves, pretty much the same. How they hunt. Vampires. At night, usually alone. Werewolves, in packs, or by themselves. Do they have a tail? Vampires, yes, as a bat or wolf. Werewolves, yes. Their diet. Vampires, blood. Werewolves Raw or cooked meat Often human Famous books Vampires Dracula Interview with a vampire Twilight series Werewolves Werewolf by Night Which was a Marvel comic series And the Twilight series Lifespan Because of their regenerative abilities Both are considered immortal Famous films Vampires Nosferatu Count Dracula, The Twilight Saga, Van Helsing, and Let the Right One In. Werewolves, an American werewolf in London, which is one of my favorites. The Wolf Man, The Twilight Saga, Van Helsing, Teen Wolf, Ginger Snaps, 1, 2, and 3. Are they alive? Vampires, the opinions are divided on this one. Some say they are the undead, and others say they are still living. Werewolf. Living. Famous TV shows. Vampire. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampire Diaries. True Blood. Being Human. Werewolves. True Blood. Doctor Who. Being Human. And Teen Wolf. Habitat. Vampires. Anywhere there is an ample supply of victims. Werewolves. Forests, swamps, or in towns close to forests and swamps. Origins. The folklore for both these creatures originated in Eastern Europe. Shapeshifting. Vampires can shapeshift at will, usually to disguise themselves. Although they can change into a bat, wolf, or a mist, they most commonly attack in their human form. Werewolves use their transformed self to attack and kill. One of my favorite recent vampire films is Dracula Untold, released in 2014, starring Luke Evans. In this film, Dracula can explode into hundreds of bats. I really want that skill. Being an introvert, many social situations make me feel like exploding anyway. By exploding into hundreds of bats, I could also make a dramatic exit.
0: Listening to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast that offers you dark tales from literature lore, and you, the listener. If you are interested in contributing stories to the show, please stay tuned after the story for details.
1: Robert Albert Bloch was born in 1917 and died in 1994. He was an American fiction writer, primarily crime, psychological horror, and fantasy, much of which has been dramatized for radio, cinema, and television. He also wrote a relatively small amount of science fiction. His writing career lasted 60 years, including more than 30 years in television and film. He is best known as the writer of Psycho, the basis for the film of the same name by Alfred Hitchcock. And now, The Boogeyman Will Get You, by Robert Block. The first time Nancy met Philip Ames, he didn't even notice her. Of course, you really couldn't blame him. After all, she was only 15. Just a kid. But that was last year. And this time, it was different. Nancy's folks went back to Beaver Lake for the summer in June, and she could hardly wait to find out if Philip Ames still had his cottage down the road. Hetty Schuster said he was up all right. She said mister Ames lived at the cottage all year. Everybody knows how cold it gets at the lake in the winter, practically out of this world. But Hetty Schuster knew, because she talked to Mr Prentice down at the store and he said so. That Prentice was like an old woman. He had his nose in everybody's business. The first chance she got, Nancy took a walk up the road past Philip Ames' cottage. The door was closed and there were curtains on the windows, so she couldn't see anything. But then Mr. Ames wasn't around much in the daytime, practically a hermit. Hetty Schuster said it was because he was writing his Ph.D. thesis for the university. He only shined around at night. But after all, that's the best time, isn't it? Hetty Schuster said. It was just like her to make such a snotty remark to Nancy, knowing how it would burn her up. Not that Nancy ever tried to hide the way she felt about Philip Ames. Why should she? After all, she was sixteen, and she had a mind of her own. And Philip Ames was really something. Nancy always liked tall men, and Philip Ames was positively statuesque. He had such luscious black hair and dark eyes— and his skin was so white. That came from not getting any sun at the lake. She wondered how he would look in bathing trunks, and if he would spend much time with her folks again this year. He was very friendly with them last season. He seemed to like Ralph, but then everybody liked her dad, and Laura was glad to have the company. Of course, if her mother even suspected how Nancy felt about the man, she would be positively furious. But she needn't know yet. Not unless Hetty Schuster gave it away, and she'd better not, or Nancy would kill her. Hetty knew some boys on the other side of the lake who had a roadster, and she wanted Nancy to double date some night. But the first few evenings Nancy stayed at the cottage. Of course she was hoping Philip Ames would come over, and she dressed very carefully. No bobby socks or kid stuff. Only her best slacks and one of those luscious sweaters Laura had bought her at Saks. Those sweaters really did something for her. And it was about time Mr. Philip Ames found it out. But he didn't come over, and he didn't come over, and it was almost a week now and Nancy was going stark raving goony because Hetty kept telling her what she was missing not coming along. And then Philip Ames came over. He was even better than she'd remembered. She'd forgotten all about that deep voice of his, a real man's voice, and he didn't laugh all the time like those repulsive young hicks Hetty was so excited about. He really was reserved. You could tell. He was deep. He was glad to see Ralph and Laura, but he didn't smile. Then Laura said, You remember our Nancy, don't you, Phil? And he looked at her and nodded. And then, He just looked. Honestly, it sent shivers through her. You'd think she was a mere infant standing there trying to keep from blushing, but he didn't seem to notice that. He noticed other things, though, because when they all went out on the porch and sat down, he sat next to her and asked her all sorts of questions. It wasn't that he was trying to be polite, Nancy could tell the difference. For the first time, he was looking at her as a woman. And she knew it. And she would never forget it, never. Some day they would both remember this moment together. Some day. Ralph and Laura kept interrupting Philip with questions about his thesis. He said it was coming along and he hoped to finish it this summer. Then Ralph insisted on telling him about his old construction job, and Nancy knew he was just enduring it all. He wasn't really interested a bit. Philip asked her why she didn't have much of a tan, and she said she wasn't going out much these days. I don't know what's gotten into her, Laura butted in. She just mopes around the cottage all day reading. I wish she'd get some fresh air. Oh, mother, Nancy said. You'd think Laura was talking about a ten-year-old child or something. I don't get out very much myself these days, Philip said, rescuing her. We serious students have to stick together. What say we go for a hike tomorrow evening? Like to see what's going on at the pavilion across the lake, Nancy? Would she? Imagine showing up with Philip when Hetty Schuster and her crowd was around. Why, it would be. No objections, I hope. Philip was asking Ralph and Laura now, and it was okay, of course. All right, young lady. See you about eight then. That was all that mattered. Of course, Ralph had tried to kid her later about her new boyfriend, and the next afternoon Laura made her promise on her bended knees that she'd be back before 11. After all, we don't really know very much about Mr. Ames. He seems like a very fine young man, but please, Mother, I hope you don't tell me about the birds and the bees. Laura looked just a little bit shocked, but she didn't say any more, and Nancy went back to work on her hair. She scarcely took time out for supper because the upsweep was so difficult. Her hair wasn't really long enough for an upsweep yet, but it added years to her appearance, and it was worth it. After all, Philip was older. Twenty-seven? Twenty-eight? Certainly not thirty. Maybe she could ask him tonight, or in a couple of nights. Because there would be other nights. The whole summer was ahead of them. Their summer. At a quarter to eight, Nancy was out on the porch waiting. It would just be childish to pull that old gag about not being ready yet. Philip didn't deserve such treatment, so she was all ready when he came up the path. Good evening, my dear. Yes, he said it. My dear. Nancy was glad he couldn't see her face plainly in the shadows. The sun was just setting. She started down the path to join him. I'm all ready, she said. Philip sort of backed away and looked down. I'm... I'm sorry, he mumbled. Came around to tell you that I can't make it tonight. Something came up. Oh, I hope you understand. Why did he keep backing away from her? What was the matter? Well, I have to be running along now. Some other time, perhaps. Nancy just stood there with her mouth open. It was a brush-off, all right. Who did he think he was, anyway? Was he crazy? She wanted to say something but couldn't seem to think. It made her so mad she almost cried. The tears came into her eyes and she saw Philip sort of swimming away from her. The moon was just rising over the lake now, cutting the darkness. Philip was disappearing down the path. All at once he was gone, and then she noticed this thing flying low along the trees. It squeaked at her and came for her head. It came straight from where Philip had been standing, and when it got close she could smell it, all rubbery, and see its little red glaring eyes. It was a black bat. Nancy didn't scream. She didn't make a sound. She just ran straight into the house and up to the bedroom. She didn't begin to cry until she had her mouth biting into the pillow. Laura was really swell about the whole thing. She didn't say a word. She pretended she never even noticed. Nancy would have died if she did. Besides, what was there to say? The brush-off wasn't that bad. Nancy got over that. But when she was lying there in the bed in the middle of the night, she got the other idea. And you wouldn't even dare whisper about things like that. But it had to be that way. He couldn't have just stood her up on the spur of the moment. He wanted to be with her. Oh, she was just being silly, frightened of a bat. Just because Philip Ames lived up there all year, and nobody saw him in the daytime, and he broke a date when the moon came up, and all at once this bat—maybe someone would know something. That old woman of a Mister Prentice down at the store. Of course, you couldn't come right out and ask him that. As he thought of a way, the next morning she went down to the store and gave Mister Prentice the works. We're going to have Mr. Ames over for dinner this week, and Mother wanted to find out if there's something special he might like, you know, like some canned stuff. Mr. Prentice said it then. She knew he would. He don't trade here at all. Never seen him in my place. Yes, Philip Ames lived here all year round, but he never came out in the daytime, and he never bought food. Never. And it was a lie about having him over for dinner, because come to think of it, Nancy had never seen him eat anything. But that proved it. Still, she had to be sure. Weren't there other tests? In the afternoon, Nancy made a date with Hetty Schuster to visit the boys across the lake. She was glad, because when she got home after dark, Ralph said he'd met Philip. Philip was coming over tonight for a while. So... Nancy was able to tell him that she already had a date and wouldn't be there because she just simply could not break it. She couldn't face him tonight after what happened and after what she had thought. And also, that meant tonight would be a good chance to do what she planned. If Philip was out, she could go to his cottage. But it wasn't easy. Hetty was just ready to blow her top when Nancy broke the date. But she didn't ask any questions and it was only about nine when Nancy sneaked back past the cottage. Philip was in there all right. Nancy went up the path then to his place. It was dark, and there were clouds over the moon. She almost fell flat on her face before she got to the door. It was locked anyway, but the window was open. Nancy took off the screen and crawled inside. The cottage was just a cottage. She had a pencil flashlight and held it down low while she looked around. But there was nothing to see. Nothing. Of course, the bed hadn't been slept in. At least it was made pretty well for a man. And he didn't have any dishes or stuff, not even a camp stove in the place. There were suits in the closet and a drawer full of clothes. It gave Nancy a funny feeling to open his bureau and feel the shirts and socks and stuff all lying there in stacks. Most of it was brand new. There was no mirror above the bureau. There was no mirror in the bathroom, or anywhere else. Of course there wouldn't be if, but she had to be sure. Nancy finally went over to the work table. There was a typewriter on it, and a big stack of manuscript on one side. Maybe he was writing a thesis after all. She ruffled through the pile of papers, looking for the title page. It was there. Some notes upon the empirical approach to demonology in the modern world. Somehow that shocked her more than anything else. It seemed to all tie in. Demonology. In the modern world today, he was writing about demons and things. Nancy knew now that she'd have to do something, tell somebody. Yes, that was it. Tonight after Philip left, she'd tell Laura. Tell her that Philip didn't eat and there were no mirrors and he was so pale and nobody saw him in the daytime and a bat flew out of the sunset. Tell her that Philip was a vampire. Nancy never knew how she managed to get through that night after she told Laura. Laura was afraid she would go into hysterics until she managed to deadpan. If Laura wanted to take it that way, let her. Some people are just too superior for their own good. But Nancy wouldn't stop now. She couldn't. If her own mother acted that way, how could you expect anyone else to? There was only one thing left to do. And that was to see it through. At least Laura wouldn't say anything. She positively wouldn't dare. So the next night, when she heard that Philip might drop in again, Nancy excused herself just in time. She waited outside until she saw Philip come up the path. It was cloudy again, but that suited her. Then she headed straight for the cottage down the path. After she finished there, Nancy came back to their place. Philip was talking with Laura and Ralph. She could hear him through the window. You're afraid of the dark. Oh, but you are. I know all about you. Do you understand? You were afraid of the dark when you were a child, not because of robbers or thieves or murderers. Children don't think of such things. You were afraid of the dark because of the boogeyman. That's the term your parents used. Boogeyman. One of those smart, sophisticated, grown-up terms designed to hide the terror behind it. But the terror exists. Because when you were a child, you knew what the boogeyman looked like. You would see him in your dreams, that black, grinning face with the wicked red eyes. You heard his buzzing voice mumbling to you in sleep when you had nightmares. And you'd wake up screaming for your mother. Admit it. You did scream, didn't you? And now that you're all grown up, you laugh about it. Now you're ashamed of your fear but you're still afraid. You may have learned to sneer at witchcraft and demonology. You read slick, scientific explanations dismissing the basic phobias with a psychiatric phrase. Mythology, folklore, primitive ignorance. That's what tales of witches and wizards are, aren't they? There is no Satan, no hell, right? Yet somehow, you can't keep away from such thoughts. You will buy books about the supernatural and patronize horror movies and visit spiritualists and listen to ghost stories and talk about your dreams and speculate on the Faust legend. Even though you parrot the arguments you've learned, you can't keep away from the mystery. And every so often, you'll find yourself in the darkness with that deep fear, the fear which all bravado and pretending cannot drive from your soul. Because you know it's true, there are such things, such forces, such evil, and the boogeyman will get you if you don't watch out. Philip laughed now, in the face of all that, is it so difficult for you to understand why your daughter might think I'm a vampire? They all laughed, but Nancy didn't laugh. She crouched under the window and bit her lip. Laura had opened her trap after all, and to him probably babbled everything about the food and the bat and all the rest. Now they were having a good time over it. Damn them, she muttered. Philip had keen ears. She heard him get up and come to the window. There was no use in trying to hide. Nancy walked around the porch and opened the door. Why, hello, my dear. Nancy, back so soon? They were all grinning at her at once. She couldn't look at them. Philip had a big smile on his face And for the first time, she noticed his teeth, his big white teeth, the points hidden under his full red lips. That's all she could see, Philip's teeth gleaming at her. Nancy made the sign of the cross and ran sobbing into her room. The next day, they had it out. Laura told her she was acting like a child. She had just embarrassed them to death. Why did you have to tell him about it? Nancy wanted to know. Because he asked us. Asked you? Yes. Someone told him you were making inquiries about him at the store. So that's it. That was why he came up with this long line about the boogeyman. Oh, he was clever, all right. Making them think she was just pulling some kid stuff. Making them laugh at her. There was no use talking to Laura at all after that. She was just waiting to fly off the handle about the whole thing. Let's skip it, Nancy said and went out. She sat under the trees for a long time that afternoon, just trying to think things out. After all, she could have made a mistake. There were lots of bats flying around at sunset. A man doesn't have to keep a house for himself. He can always eat at restaurants. Maybe he did work all day on his thesis. You don't have to be a vampire to write about demonology. Many people have gleaming white teeth and nobody had been bitten in the throat or killed or stuff like that. But something was wrong. She felt it. Nancy knew what Laura thought, that she was just burned up because Philip had brushed her off on the date, that she had been reading too much silly stuff in books, that she had invented the whole thing just to make Philip notice her. Well... It was true. She did want him to notice her. He was the most attractive man she'd ever met... If only it wasn't true. It couldn't be true. But Philip had no mirrors. She went on like that for hours. It was getting dark before she pulled herself together. Laura and Ralph would be going ahead with supper by now. Nancy got up and started along the path near the lake. She had the jitters all right. The shadows kept jumping around so, and she walked fast. All at once, something moved out of the shadows up ahead. She nearly jumped out of her skin. Did I startle you? He was standing there. Sorry, I didn't mean to frighten you, my dear. Just standing there, smiling at her. But say, I've been up at the house looking for you. For me? Yes, I wanted to talk to you. Let's take a walk, shall we? Oh, I'm sorry. I have a date. Too bad. I was hoping we might get together. You aren't angry with me about the other night, are you? Not at all. Nancy couldn't figure out what the score was. Philip sounded like an ordinary drip now. Well, she could handle that one. They kept walking along the path. It was getting darker now, and she wondered if the clouds would lift. Not that she was really frightened, but Philip was rubbing his eye. What's the matter? Got a speck in my eye or something. Have you got a mirror in your purse, my dear? A mirror? Yes, if you please. Nancy's hands trembled, so she nearly dropped the purse, but she got the mirror out and gave it to him. He looked straight into it and rubbed his eye. Nancy leaned over his shoulder and saw his reflection. He had a reflection. She didn't know what she was doing, what she was saying. The words just blurted out. You, you looked into the mirror. Philip smiled and handed the mirror back to her. Of course I did. And I found that sprig of hemlock on my doorknob last night, too, the one you put there when you sneaked off before coming into the cottage to make the sign of the cross at me. Why, I... Oh, don't look so startled, Nancy. I know all about your ideas. You thought I was a vampire, didn't you? She couldn't say a word. She felt as if she would sink right into the ground. But Philip grinned. Just because I work all day and eat in restaurants and walk at night, you wondered about me. My thesis had you puzzled, too, didn't it? But you're wrong, you know. Vampires wear long, black cloaks, and during the day they sleep in coffins or grave earth. You didn't find any cloaks or coffins when you searched my cottage. But I... I'm not angry with you, my dear. I just wanted you to get things straight. I wanted you to know that I can touch hemlock and look in mirrors and all the rest. Nancy looked away. The clouds were lifting from the moon like the weight was lifting from her heart. ''I see,'' she whispered. ''I guess you think I'm an awful dope, Philip.'' ''Not at all.'' He took her hand. A vampire's hand is cold, but his touch was warm. ''I think you're a very lovely girl. You have beautiful hair, Nancy. Did you know that?'' ''Look, the moon is rising, gleaming on your hair.'' ''I can see you now, Nancy. You aren't afraid of me anymore.'' ''No, Philip, I never was afraid. Not really.'' I guess Laura was right. It was my subconscious. Subconscious? Scientific, aren't we? You know, I I must have made all this vampire stuff up just to make you notice me. And Besides, vampires are supposed to be tall, dark, and handsome. Like you. Philip held her very close then. You're a very clever little girl, Nancy. Very clever. It's a pity you had to stir up such a fuss over nothing. Oh, but I didn't mean it, really. And it's all over now. Only Laura and Ralph know. Philip didn't kiss her yet. He shook his head. I'm afraid it isn't that simple after all, like throwing a stone into a pool. Ripples. Ripples? Laura and Ralph will talk to people about it, make a joke out of it. Laura has already. She said something to Prentice. Pretty soon people will start whispering, wondering. A stranger is always a suspect, Nancy. Our reputation is a very flimsy thing. It's no use, my dear. I shall have to clear out of here. Nancy couldn't believe her ears. What do you care, she whispered. Let them talk. We'll just laugh at them. I'll laugh at them, said Philip. You won't. He held her very close, and she couldn't see his face. He mumbled against her shoulder. Too bad you were such a meddling little fool, Nancy. But I can't let you get away now. It would spoil everything. You've guessed too much. Nancy pulled away, but he held her. He was very, very strong. Philip, let me go. He kept pulling her closer, closer. There was no escape. The moonlight was full on his face now, and for the first time Nancy noticed the change. Philip, it's true then. You are a vampire. No, no, my dear, he whispered. I'm not a vampire. I'm... Just a werewolf. I hope those of you that use online dating services are careful to notice certain things in people's profiles. Things like bursts into flames in sunlight or grows hairier in the moonlight. Unless, of course, like me, you would consider those the most attractive features. Thank you so much for listening to Afterwards Paranormal. I've been your host, Shelby. And as always, I leave the last words for you.
0: Thank you for listening to Afterwards Paranormal Podcast. Please join us on Patreon and Facebook. You can listen to Afterwards Paranormal on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact us at Afterwards at gmail.com. And remember, the need to be heard never dies.